he might have slept in today. He's is he here? No, no, it's good, it's good. Um, so is this on? Is this on, Julio? Is this on? All right. Mic check, one check. There it is. All right. So um, these four students, um, I, I, every year we love to have our students give testimonies of what God did at camp, and it's so very important for us to hear because God is on the move at our church. And God is on the move in the next generation of his church. And so it's so important to hear all that God is doing through these young people. And honestly, um, just that worship that just happened just now, that's coming from a real place. That's real worship. These students love Jesus. They're worshiping Jesus. And what I love about our students is they're not looking to the left or to the right of them. They're just, they're just giving God everything they have. And I'll tell you what, as a congregation, I think we have a lot to learn from how our students worship. And so um, I just praise God for these students. So I'm going to, I want you to just give them your name and uh, share with us your testimony. Hi, my name is uh, Christian. Hey, Christian. (laughs) (laughs) I got to bring it up. Um, I promise he's not nervous, right, Christian? Nah. I'm all energetic, so. Amen. (laughs) But um, this actually was my first year going to camp. I recently moved down here from up north Jersey so my grandma goes here so I came here um I'm really glad I went because God really opened my eyes to see a lot of things that I really didn't see before so um when I got there I didn't really didn't know what I expect I expected regular things to show up but God moved me where I couldn't move before and I'm glad I really went because main thing was being comfortable and I was comfortable my whole life and mm. I really got uncomfortable when they, I was there so I'm glad I went because I knew, I met a lot of people from other churches I got connected and I'm really glad I went and God moved me and a whole bunch of students around and it was amazing what he could do in one week yeah. And I can't wait for what he's going to do in this church, in this community, and what we can do as a family. Mm-hmm. And the youth group is amazing. I encourage every single one who has a young middle school or high school to come to 220 because it's amazing. And it changed my life. Thank you. Amen. Love you. Mason's going to preface himself that he has stage fright. So... You guys just look down for me as he speaks. I'm just kidding. Hey, I'm Mason. Um, so my family and I have attended Avon Church for, since it was at Timber Creek, basically my whole life. Um, for those of you who know, last year, I'm about to cry because I have a horrible stage fright. Um, we moved to Edgewood Children's Ranch, and I was always the comfortable guy. I've never had a problem moving out of my comfort zone, but I've always just rather be comfortable. I'd rather be that guy in the background. You know, I'm cool with, you know, playing basketball, hanging out with everybody, but I've always been the guy to not step out. And I think that's what God did with me moving to the ranch because I wasn't comfortable at all. It was a huge change. I'm a nervous wreck, sorry. Um, And not taking anything away from that because I love being there. I love what we're doing. Let's cry. But one of the speakers there, Anthony O'Neill, really, he hit me on the heart because 
he was he was talking about how we should be uncomfortable and we should want to be because God calls us to be uncomfortable. He doesn't call you to stay at home. He calls you to step out and change lives. And you can't change people in the uncomfortable areas if you stay at home. You can't step out to the, the people in Haiti and El Salvador, China, everywhere across the world if you stay at home and you just stay comfortable. And so camp changed me because I'm, I'm just going to step out more to do the more uncomfortable things. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm crying. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. like Proud of you, Mason. Nervous? Awesome. She's ready. Here we go. Okay. I put my pen to paper. I'm old school. Sorry. Hi, my name is Nia Young, and I'm not going to talk about how great my life is and how perfect it is because I'm a Christian and I went to camp because unfortunately that's not how God works. Um, I'm a regular teenager with regular flaws, one of them being when faced with a difficult decision, I like to make the safe choice. I call my comfort zone my happy medium because I can not only please God but also man. But that's not quite true. Um, My favorite verse, Galatians 1.10 says, for do I now persuade men or God, Hmm. or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Hmm. When we don't recognize God's voice, we fall back on what's familiar and disregard it altogether. That's us going back to our happy medium. But by doing so, we dismiss blessings and prevent ourselves from being the Christians God wants us to be. And God has really opened my eyes up to this concept this year at camp, especially through our speakers. So to sum it all up, don't allow your comfort zone to become your kill zone. Amen. Good job. Hello, <clears throat> my name is Abby, and just know I'm very, very nervous right now, so I'm like shaking. Um, ever since I was little, I've always been in church, like always. My mom has very, like poured herself into my life to help me be a person of God. <clears throat> and at age two, my biological father and my mother had separated, and I saw him very, very rarely. And when I did, he didn't really acknowledge me or my brother at all. And so it was kind of like he it was kind of like he was forced to see us. And um, ever since I moved to um, Florida, I've been very, very uncomfortable. And I think like everybody who pretty much went to camp, we figured out that we are very comfortable with where we are and we're not ever uncomfortable. So I went to camp the past three years, and I've always been moved, always. Like, I've always felt the presence of God. But this year, I I had no, I, I kind of was expecting what I was expecting the last two years, which was just God was going to be there, but not really move me the way that he, the way that I thought he would. And so whenever we did worship the first night, I was like, oh my gosh, this is really awesome. I love the worship. And then we started doing the slower songs, and I was like, 
oh, okay, this is not how slow I thought I was going to be. Um, and so I just poured my heart out and said, God, I'm here. Please just do something because I'm broken. And I just I sang my heart out, and he moved me more than ever, more than he's ever moved me before. And I felt him tell me, Abby, you, I'm calling you to be in worship. I'm, ca I'm calling you to sing for me and show everybody that you're mine. And so, um, <clears throat> Philippians 3, 14 says, I press forward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, which is saying, like, we're all, God is calling all of us to do something amazing for him, to, to be what he's calling us to be without being afraid. And I think I'm very nervous <laughs> on stage by myself. Um, granted, Arthur's here, but you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm invisible. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very, I get very nervous, and I think God is like, hey, you just, you just got to be uncomfortable with what I'm calling you to do. So that is, yeah, that's what God has called me to do. Proud of you, bro. Love you. Give it up, give it up, church family. I'm in awe, I'm in wonder of God and all that he is doing in the lives of these students. It's incredible what he is doing, church family, in our church and in our youth. God is raising up the next generation of his church right here, right in front of us. And I thank Jesus every single day. Jess and I thank Jesus that he's allowed us to be such a small part of something so big something everlasting and eternal. And I look around and I see what Jesus is doing through our children's ministry. And right now we're looking for a children's director, but I believe that there's a gap so big that God has to fill that. So God is on the move. And then I look at our students and every year it's amazing what he does, but especially this year, he says, I want you to go deeper in your relationship with me. I want you to get uncomfortable. And he's, he's having these kids step out of their comfort zone. It's incredible. And then I look at 1825, and they're leading our worship. They're, they're leading and teaching. Kenny Castellanos gave a message this past week. He's, he's teaching the word of God. God is raising up the next generation of his church right in front of us. And it's an incredible thing. They, uh, we have a team that just got back from Columbia. Can we just give it up for that team that just got back from Columbia? And Jennifer and Mauricio are leading the, the, uh, our missions up. And, man, it's what an incredible thing that they're doing, raising up world changers, right, kingdom builders. We've had 1825 on the trip. We had 220 students on the trip. Man, we had the Spanish ministry on the trip. God is raising up the next generation of our church. So just for a second, because you know I love to do this. This is a real millennial thing. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is raising up the next generation of his church. All right, that's pretty good. Now, now, now I want you to turn to your other neighbor and say, I can be a part of it. Yes, you can. All right, yes, you can. 
Um, if, if you're new to this church, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I don't know if, uh, if our church has seen a pastor wear a t-shirt in the last nine years, but um, I said I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the trend. I'm just kidding. Um, but my name is Pastor Arthur. I've been privileged by the grace of God to be able to pastor in worship and in youth. And I say this every time I get the chance to take this pulpit and preach the word of God. I just like to say I love our church. I love our church. I love our church so very much. It's such a privilege to be able to teach such amazing men and women of God who want to seek him. So it's a privilege. I love this church, and I also love this community. I love Avalon Park. I love what we're doing today. Later on, right after this, it actually starts at 11. There's a community event right in the park. It's so amazing that after church, we can be a part of those events. It's so neat that our community is, is a family-based community. It's a, but it's a community who desperately needs Jesus. And our God has prepared such a big harvest. And just not just Avalon Park, but 32828. But he needs laborers, right? And the word of God says the laborers are few. But just imagine what just a few could do for the kingdom of God. And he wants you and me to be a part of this mission that will last eternity. So my question to you again is, is do you want to be a part of it? And my response to that is, I do. So the name of the conference that we went to was called the 12 Conference, and it stands for the 12 disciples. The big picture of the conference is discipleship. And understanding discipleship is crucial, both for our young people, but also for us, right? And by the way, I thought this was awesome. Jeff playing the keys over here with all of these young people, right? <laughs> he blended right in. Come on. Where's Jeff? Let's give it up, Jeff. I, for, I thought he was a teenager. I totally forgot when I was worshiping God, right? <laughs> but Jesus' last words uh, were for us to make disciples. And when someone gives their last words, they're important, right? They're important. Usually it's what we remember most about that person. And Jesus left us with this word, with this mission, with this calling, discipleship. So this year, the conference covered the effect of discipleship. And trust me, there is a noticeable effect of true biblical discipleship. And we can see that in our schools and in our workplaces, in our families. And yes, even in the church, we can see a noticeable biblical discipleship model. And so I believe that God is preparing us for heaven with this mission of discipleship. And this is so important for us to get it. It's so important for us to understand discipleship and how it's lived out. And I believe that discipleship is not an easy thing to do, by the way. Right? It's not the one calling everybody's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go be a disciple. It's a hard thing to do because you never get a moment to just have a break because a disciple is always a disciple. And he's always discipling because that's his calling. That's her mission. It's day and night. It's everywhere you go. It's after a long day at work and you come home and you see your kids and your wife. You have to disciple. It's never a moment we can just take a break from it. And listen, after a week at camp, I think all of our leaders can say amen. That it, It's hard, right? Can I get an amen from our leaders? Amen. Amen. See, they're tired. They're still tired. They're like, amen. amen. Right? Because it's hard. As a matter of fact, if you don't believe me, I got some proof. Before you show that picture, Vic, okay, this is after one week at camp, 
This is the last morning devotional at 7 a.m. Can you go ahead and put that picture up? That's Jeremy Toro. <laughs> Who snapped that picture? He'll go unknown, all right? But Jeremy right here, Jeremy Toro, my brother in Christ, what a man of God. I consider him to be a disciple, and he loves to disciple. But after one week at camp, he looks like Rocky Balboa in the 10th round versus Ivan Drago. Like, it's a, I know he's right here, but I'm, so I'm, I'm confronting you right now, right? And so it is hard. It's not easy because here's the thing. You wake up earlier and you go to bed later. Because discipleship isn't easy, and that's how it is. And so, like, this is two minutes later after this picture. Like, so he's struggling. He's trying to hang in there. I'm sure he's meditating on the Word of God. So, so, yeah, my man. So, so two minutes later, he just couldn't hold on enough. I'm like, brother, hold on. Be strong for our students. Be strong. And that's why they write worship songs like this in the morning when I rise. Give me Jesus. We need the strength and the power of Jesus. Isn't that right, Julio? Everybody look in the back. Say hi, Julio. Yeah, there he is. Look, boom. So <laughs> Julio thought he was going to be off the hook. He's like, whatever you do, don't put the picture up. Let, there's a caveat to this. This was after three days of discipleship. This was, this was during like a really intensive message of the gospel. And I just look at him. And by the way, without, you're not going to pass here. Look at Julio to the right of him. I mean, look at, look at Jeremy to the right. He's sleeping too. So it's hard. Amen, leaders. It's hard. Discipleship is not for the faint-hearted. It isn't easy. Following Jesus, calling yourself a disciple of Jesus, is not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to be, to be a disciple, because it's day and night. You have to wake up earlier and go to bed later. When you disciple, when you realize the calling and the mission that Jesus has on our life. So there are four things we're going to just take a look at this morning in our Bible study. And the first thing is, what is the cause because to understand the effect of discipleship, we have to know what the cause of discipleship is. The second thing is we're going to try to figure out what our role in this mission of discipleship is. And third, what, the negative, what is the negative effect of half-hearted discipleship or lack of discipleship? And then lastly, what is the effect of true biblical discipleship? And if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to go ahead and put your, uh, uh, your marker on 2 Corinthians 5, starting at verse 11 to 21. But also turn to Matthew 28 at the Great Commission, starting at verse 18. Um, if you have your YouVersion app, and if you don't know what that is, every week we, talk, uh, we try to pour into the Scripture and the notes into this app. And it's called the YouVersion app. It's a Bible app. It's my favorite. But we do this. We put all of our notes, actually more notes that, than, that are on your bulletin right now. It's so that you can be discipled by some of us here at Avalon Church and also use it to disciple others. So be sure to go ahead and click in there, um, YouVersion app, under more and then events, you'll find our service this morning. And you'll find all the Scripture and all of the sermon notes. I believe God wants to use that in your life. So before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Holy God, you are faithful. Lord Jesus, without you, we can do nothing. But with you, anything is possible. When we pray believing by faith. So God, this morning, would you just help us, help our unbelief, Father God. 
Help us to trust in your word. God, I know that discipleship isn't easy, but God, we don't do this on our own. You said, behold, you are with us to the end of the age. You are our strength when we're tired. You are our power and our weakness. So, Father God, teach us. God, I can't do anything. God, I decrease in this place so that way you can increase and teach your word to us, God. Pierce our hearts this morning is my prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. So we have to figure out what the cause of discipleship is. And this is really important because here's what I've noticed about reading the Bible, that sometimes when you read something, you don't quite get it. I don't know if you're anything like me, but sometimes I'll read the Bible and I'm like, I don't get this. And usually if you don't get something, how can you live it out, right? If you're anything like me without a cause, without a purpose, without a why, it's kind of hard to commit to following through to something, right? i got to understand it somewhat. So we have to address the cause and the purpose or the mission of discipleship. And the verse that we're going to use kind of as a launching pad to 2 Corinthians is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus gave to his disciples as his last words here on this earth. And most Christians in this room, we can probably recite this verse. And sometimes when we hear it, we kind of check out. And I don't want you to check out this morning because we're going to use that as a launching pad into 2 Corinthians, which I believe gives us the cause, the mission, the purpose, and the application for discipleship. But here's what Jesus says in Matthew 28, starting at verse 18 through 20. He says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's a whole other sermon, right? They saw Jesus' earthly ministry, they heard him, but yet, even after they saw him and heard him, they still doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus says, I hold all the authority, both then and now. And so with that authority, I'm going to give you the mission for the people of God. Here it goes, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's the big picture. Now the mission, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And now the application, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, you ready, Christian? It's a promise. He's a promise maker and a promise keeper. I am with you always to the end of the age. What a great commission. It gives us purpose. It gives us our calling that we so desperately long for and search for. But it's kind of hard for us to understand that commission because we didn't walk with Jesus personally in his earthly ministry, right? So it's kind of hard for us to understand exactly what he was talking about. But the disciples knew exactly what he was talking about because they seen him and they heard him. And we can hear from the word of God, which is such a blessing from us. He teaches us by giving us his very words. And so when you hear the commission like this or when you hear promises of God like this, we have to get the context. Amen? So my goal and goal, uh, the goal of pastors here at this church is to give you the context of the scripture and then the application, how to carry it out. So today we're going to provide the context of this great commission out of the book of 1 Corinthians 5. That's exactly where we're going to be. But here's what Jesus tells us as the pillars of discipleship. He says, first things first, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? That is the big picture. But I think a lot of us can hear this, and maybe you've come to church, and maybe this is your first time in your long time. You're like, I really don't get what that means. And I think a lot of Christians are like, I don't get what that means because it's the big picture. Make disciples. Okay, 
So where do I start, right? If you're anything like me, where do I start? Where do I go from here? And then he says, okay, well, I'm going to give you the mission. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. That's the mission. And if you've been in church long enough, you're probably thinking, oh, so it's cool that I can just watch somebody in that pool back there getting baptized. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's my mission. Or maybe one day I'll get to go in there and baptize someone. Is that what he means? No, okay? He has a mission for us. So, again, without context, it's hard to understand what it means to be a disciple and how to carry out the mission. And then lastly, he gives us the application. He says, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. He says, everything that you've seen and everything that you have heard, I need you to do that and live that out. Because that's who you are and that's your purpose. But we didn't walk with Jesus. We don't understand the context. Right? And so this morning out of 2 Corinthians, Paul gives us the context. Praise God for the word of God. And so somebody asked me this morning, I think it was Brandy, she says, are you ready to preach this morning? I said, yes, Brandy, but I'm always ready to preach because I'm always in the word of God. And if you're in the word of God, we can hear from God, and God gives you the context in his word. And so let's turn to 2 Corinthians, starting at verse 5, 11 through 21. Here's what he says. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Let me give you the backing behind that. Right behind that verse, uh, Paul was talking about in everything we do, we have to please God. That the heart of a Christian is to always please God. And we talked about this in the promise maker, promise keeper message I had a few weeks ago, that when we say the fear, uh, when we fear God, when we, the fear of the Lord is, is wanting to please God, it's wanting to honor God. So he says, therefore, knowing that the fear of the Lord we persuade others. We ought to tell people about the gospel. We ought to live the gospel. But, we, but what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you a cause to boast about us so that you might be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. So first and foremost, Paul says we need to get to the heart of the matter here. And this is what, exactly what we're going to do. So he says, for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us. Can you all just highlight that somewhere in your Bible or in your app? For the love of Christ controls us. In other translations, it says, for the love of Christ compels us. That the love of Christ is the fuel for our calling. For the love of Christ is what controls that calling. That the love of, without love, we cannot carry out the mission of God. For the love of Christ compels us or controls us because we have concluded this. I love Paul because anytime he's given a lesson on any subject of Christianity, he always makes sure that the gospel is at the center of it. So he'll teach you a lesson about discipleship or missions, and then he'll put right dead in the center the gospel. And here's what he says. He goes, for, uh, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, the gospel. Here it goes. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. He says the mission of discipleship, being a disciple, is not about you. It's about dying to yourself and living for Christ. That's at the center of the gospel message. That's the center of our mission. So he goes, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. I love verse 17. Therefore, Christians, are you ready? 
or maybe you're in here searching for an answer. Are you ready? He goes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ this morning, he is a new creation. Let me say that again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And maybe you've been walking this Christian life for a long time and you've let your past affect you, your biblical worldview from what you learned from your parents affect you. But I'm here to tell you that Paul says to be a disciple, first things first, you have to be a new creation. Then the old has to go and the new has to come. That's the prerequisite of being a disciple. But then he gives us this, all this is from God. You know what that means? That, that calling that you're, that you're fulfilling, maybe you're in ministry, he says, all of this is from me. I justified you. I make you right before me, Jesus says, before God. He says, all of this is from God. This purpose is from God. Your identity is from God. Your ministry, it's from God. We can't forget this, Christian. All this is from God. And then the gospel message, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We didn't do anything to earn it. It's not by works. He gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. We'll get to that. And entrusting to us, entrusting to us, the same message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, you and me, Christian. We implore you, we plead you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Christians, be reconciled to God. If you're searching for an answer and you feel, man, I'm too far from God, you're the. Be reconciled to God this morning. For our sake, Paul, in the middle of this, explaining the mission of discipleship and the purpose, he says this to remind us for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. The word is alive this morning, church. The cause of discipleship, the root of discipleship, the purpose of discipleship is to reconcile people back to God. The cause in the heart of every ministry should be to reconcile people back to God. He says, all this is from God. He's reconciled me to God, not counting my trespasses against him. And he's entrusting me the same message to do the same in my ministry, to reconcile people back to God. The mission description is simple, that God says, here's the model. I was reconciling you to myself, not counting your sin against you, not pointing the finger at every little thing you do. Christians, we know about that, right? But rather, not counting their sin against them, he says, I was reconciling you to myself. And guess what, Christian, today? I'm entrusting you the same message. So be careful how you disciple. You have to look at the heart of your ministry and say, is the heart of my ministry reconciling people back to God? Is that why we do what we do? So when, we, when Jesus asked his disciples in the Great, Great Commission, when he, was, when he was commissioning his disciples and he told them to baptize them, he was instructing them to do something that they knew all too well from watching Jesus and from hearing Jesus because Jesus' message was to reconcile people back to God. He died on the cross. Why? To reconcile sinners like you and me back to God. 
So when he said, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they knew all too well that, they were, that Jesus was talking about the ministry of reconciliation. Then when he said baptize them, usually in the New Testament, before they say baptize, they say repent and be saved. Repent and be baptized. Repent and be saved and be baptized. They knew the process, but sometimes we don't understand the context of the message, but they knew it all too well. So this cause or this mission is to reconcile everyone in this room back to God. And maybe you're a Christian and you're caught up in sin this morning and no one knows it, but you know it. Jesus is saying, I want to reconcile you back to me today. That unforgiveness, that hurt that you're holding on to, why don't you lay it down right here and I can reconcile you back to God. It's both for the Christian and the non-Christian. So the, the cause of our discipleship is to reconcile people back to God, but first you have to be a new creation. The old has to go, the new has to come to be a disciple of Jesus, to be able to disciple others. And I'm going to give you this truth because this truth has transformed my life. This, this, when I understood the mission of, of Jesus, it changed my life. Your identity and your purpose, y'all got to get this. Your identity and your purpose is in Christ and for Christ. Yeah, come on. Your identity this morning, I don't know what you're longing for. And I'm sure you're longing for purpose. I'm sure you're longing for fulfillment. I'm sure you're trying to find your identity in your career or as a, as a mom or as a dad. But I'm here to tell you that your identity and your purpose is in Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. And when we understand that, everything changes. The old goes away and the new comes. And we get our purpose. I had the pleasure to baptize three students at camp. And I had the pleasure to quote this life-breathing verse, the old has passed away and the new has come, buried with Christ in the likeness of his death and raised in the likeness of his resurrection. John and I had the pleasure to do that. What an amazing thing. It never gets old. It never gets old when you understand the purpose. You don't long for things of this world. You don't chase these empty dreams. You don't put your identity in things that are temporary, but rather you understand the purpose and you understand your identity. And you can truly say, praise God, I get this. It changes everything. Once this resurrection happens in our life, we then can begin to be disciples of Jesus and start to disciple people for Jesus. And remember this, Christian. If you're in church, if you're in ministry, if you're involved in a nonprofit that has Jesus at the center, remember all of this is from God. It's not about what you do. It's about what Christ did. Let me say that again. The heart of ministry and discipleship is not about what you do. It's about what Christ already did. To have effective discipleship, you must understand the cause of discipleship. And without understanding the cause, there's no chance that Avalon Church or any church surrounding this area, any church in the nation or in the world can be effective in discipleship without understanding the cause. And people who are disciples always disciple others. If you understand discipleship, if you understand what it means to be a disciple, it's, you can't opt out of discipling others. It's your heart's desire because a disciple always disciples others. People who reconcile others to God understand that they too have been reconciled by God. 
I'm going to say that again because you've got to get this to be able to be a disciple of Jesus. People who reconcile others to God understand the weight of, that they too have been reconciled by God through Jesus. That's the cause. That's the purpose. That's the mission to reconcile people back to God. But what is our role in this mission? We have the big picture. Uh, make disciples of all nations, okay? Reconcile people back to God. But what is our role in this mission? And Jesus said, the application is, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. So in, in, in a nutshell, teach them everything you saw and everything you heard me say. And in verse 20, here's what it says. Paul gives us the breakdown of that. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are Christ representers that God is making his appeal through us. He doesn't have to make his appeal through us, by the way. He doesn't, he doesn't need us to do that. He's God. We have a privilege to be able to do this thing, to reconcile people back to God and say, I was once there, I was once lost, but now I'm found. And you got to know this God. That's a privilege but he says we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us, through you and me. So we implore you, we plead you on behalf of Christ. Church, maybe if you're new this morning, be reconciled to God. Our role in this mission as disciples is this. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors. We are representers. And Christ's ambassadors, here's what they do. They plead on behalf of Christ for people to be reconciled to God. That's the heart of discipleship. Uh, the uh, ambassador, according to the Oxford definition, says an accredited diplomat sent by a state as its permanent representative in a foreign country. That's the Oxford definition of ambassador. But here's what Jesus meant by that. Jesus, who holds all authority in his hands, all power, then and now. And he said, with all of that authority, here's what it means. He sent us with all of that authority to represent the kingdom of God in a temporary world. That's what the ambassador means for us as Christians. That Jesus, who gave us all the authority under heaven and on earth, he says, I commission you with that authority to represent the eternal kingdom of God in this temporary world. That's what it looks like to be an ambassador. Because church, this is not our home. And as ambassadors, we not only long to be with Jesus in eternity, but we bring the kingdom of heaven down for others to get a taste and for others to see that the Lord is good and he saves. That's what ambassadors do. Ambassadors are constantly shouting out, be reconciled to God. They're constantly with this plead, with this hunger of being home one day, telling others that you could that heaven could be your home. So we plead on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's what ambassadors do. And let me tell you, ambassadors are never really comfortable. They're in someone else's country, eating someone else's food, but still, without forgetting this, under the authority of their king, proclaiming and representing their homeland, despite the persecution or laws of that governing country, they know that nothing can bring the kingdom down and eliminate the kingdom, because the kingdom is for eternity. They understand that so they don't get comfortable, right? We talked about comfort. You heard all these students, comfort. I want to get out of my comfort because we are ambassadors. We are exiles. We are sojourners representing the kingdom of God, pleading on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So right now, can you just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a Christ representer. Can you say that? 
Are you sure? Y'all did a really good job when I asked you to do it, though. <laughs> y'all did, did a good job listening. But I'm here to tell you, people are going to look at you different. Because you're not from where they're from. You don't look or act the same. And the reality of that statement is that you'll lose friends. You'll lose promotions. Um, you, maybe even family will stop talking to you. But this is not our home. And we don't represent a temporary world. We represent the king and the kingdom of God. And we're sojourners longing for eternity but preparing for heaven by being disciples and discipling others. So when I asked you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a Christ representer, I want you to think right now and just let it kind of marinate in your mind and in your heart. Am I ready for this? Because when Jesus asked his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, they knew the consequence that came with that answer. If your life looks the same, nothing's changed. Are you a Christ representer? Are you an ambassador for Christ? If you want to be a disciple and you want to disciple others, church family, you have to do that understanding that you are an ambassador. That you're a foreigner representing the kingdom of God. So now, knowing all of that, you might not want to say it to your neighbor. But if that is you this morning, and you're like, man, whoa, i got to check my life. As, as Pastor Williams said last week, it was my favorite line, a check up from the neck up. <laughs> haven't heard that since like the 90s. <laughs> but this is it. So if you really want to represent Christ, knowing the purpose, knowing the mission, and knowing the consequences, why don't you turn, maybe it's to your wife or to a friend you came with, and say, I, I want to represent Christ. Can you, can you do that? It was a lot quieter. I like it. <laughs> and it should be. Because the truth of the matter is, is I would be... A fool to think that everybody wants to be a disciple of Jesus and wants to disciple others. But you're not too far gone. You haven't messed up too much. That's why Jesus says, here's the message of reconciliation. I didn't count your trespasses against you, but rather I was reconciling you to myself through Jesus. So I'm entrusting you disciples this morning with that same message of reconciliation. That needs to be the forefront and the center of every ministry here at Avalon Church in the church around the world. Because the truth of the matter is, is there are negative effects of half-hearted discipleship. There are negative effects of lack of discipleship. And to me, they come in three ways. One, stunted growth in the church. Both here, all the churches surrounding, in the nation, and in the world. Stunted growth. Second, disunity and doctrinal instability in the church, universally and locally. And last, the one that breaks my heart, is love is lost in the body of Christ. Stunted growth. This is a hard truth to hear, but the truth of the matter is, is failure to discipling, fa a failure to disciple is a sure recipe for spiritual immaturity. A failure to be a discipling church is a sure recipe for spiritual immaturity. If we're wondering why we're not growing, we need to look around and say, am I a disciple? Do I understand my purpose? Do I understand my mission? And it can start today. 
This isn't a message of, oh, Arthur's beating me up with a word. No. It can start today. God is reconciling you to be a disciple and to disciple others. But the negative effect is spiritual immaturity. Uh, Ephesians 4, Paul kind of gives us the breakdown of it. He says well, we should be growing in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. That such defective growth means that the whole body of Christ lacks the unified and mutual dependence on Jesus that causes the growth of the body of Christ. So we desperately need discipleship. Second thing is disunity and doctrinal, what we believe, instability in the church universally and locally. This is another hard truth. The failure to disciple will inevitably lead to a lack of unity in the church. And that is a hard truth to, to hold on to. We're like, oof. But a failure to disciple and be a discipling church will inevitably lead to the lack of unity in the church. You can put the lights back on. That was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> it's okay, Josh. I love you. But it's the truth. See, oh, he wanted me to get serious. I saw what he did there. I'm just kidding. But it's the truth. It'll lack to a, a lack of unity in the church. That's why Paul says, make sure to exhort each other to preserve the unity of the spirit of the bond of peace in Ephesians 4, the unity of the faith. And in these contexts, these words seem to refer to the common faith convictions that belong to the Christian doctrine and practice of discipleship. Mature disciples in Christ know what they believe regarding essential Christian truth. But spiritual infants, they don't. Without a fixed doctrinal anchor of our faith, we are subject to the deception and the manipulation of false teachers. We got to be disciples. We got to be in the Word. Paul is advocating doctrinal training in discipleship. Such training will not only safeguard the integrity of our church, but the church nationwide and worldwide, and it will preserve the church's faith. But it will also promote growth within the body. And it will also edify the body of Christ. You know, when we're hungry and we're like, we just want more discipleship. We want to be edified. We want to grow. We need edification of the word through discipleship. And we need that to preserve the unity of the church. When you do life together, I believe it comes through even life groups Ira does such a great job in that because he'll be willing to meet you in the drop of a dime just to make sure to, to try to disciple. And he's just being a disciple. He's not going, I'm going to go to disciple somebody else. He understands his mission and the purpose as a disciple. And so his reaction is to disciple others. I know my brother Greg, I was talking to him the other day and he was telling me that he was at a friend's house. They've been staying with him with a couple days. And uh, one ghost story led to Jesus somehow. I think maybe the Holy Ghost or something. I'm just kidding. Um, but one story led to the next. Greg used that moment to be a disciple when he could have just went on with the conversation and talked about ghost stories. Rather, he stayed up till 4 in the morning talking about Jesus and discipling them. And if you know Greg, you're like, amen. I know he did that. Right? I know he did that because he's a disciple, and that's what disciples do. They use every opportunity to disciple someone else. But remember, I said it's hard. You saw Jeremy's picture, right? It's hard. The last thing, love is lost. This one breaks my heart because, you know, when we think of love, we think of this lovey, fuzzy, abstract word that loses all its meaning without context. But Paul is saying the love in the manner and means, love is the manner and means by which Christian faith, y'all got to get this, 
Love is the manner and means by which Christian faith moves towards maturity in the body of Christ. That's how we grow. It says love controls us. Love compels us. So love is the fuel for discipleship. And I'm here to tell you that you cannot speak truth into someone else's life until you love them. And I've been a Christian for far too long to know that so many people want to give me the truth without loving me. And I know you've been there. And maybe it's your first time in church and that's what's prevented you from coming to church. Like, these Christians don't love me. And they're trying to give me the word. I don't want to hear that. The love of Christ needs to control us. The love of Christ needs to compel us. The love of Christ needs to be the fuel for the truth. Because Paul says, here's the deal. I was reconciling you to myself, not counting your trespasses against us. I wasn't pointing the finger every little thing that you did, but rather any time I had the moment, I was giving you the word in love and trying to say, get reconciled to God. Come back, prodigal son. Come back. Because God wants marriages to be restored. He wants families to be restored. He wants people to be reconciled to God. That's the heart of discipleship. But even as Christians, when we disciple others, the first thing we want to do is just nitpick at every little thing that we're doing wrong. Counting every trespass and every sin and everything that we are that is wrong and flawed. And then we want to go, but brother, listen. Hey, here's what the word says. The spirit of the God, the spirit of the Lord will set you free. I'm like, I am not listening to that right now. Because you do not love me. You see, Paul. He was a man who loved well. He, lay, he would be there working with people. He was a man of God who would always sacrifice his life for others so that people would be reconciled to God. And Jesus, that's why he tells us this. He says, teach them to observe what? All that I've commanded you. Everything that you've seen me do. And everything that you've heard, you need to do that. And the love of Christ must be what compels us. And the absence of love gives the church a black eye because it's a living contradiction of what Jesus sets forth as the epitome of Christian discipleship. That's why in John 13, 35, Paul says, but John says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let me say that again. This isn't me. This is John. This is the word of God. It says, by this, all men would know that you guys are my disciples, Avalon Church, if you have love for one another. Is that what compels you? Or do you just want to get the truth out without loving? Paul says, I've entrusted you this message. And if you do anything other than this message, then that's not the way to disciple and that's not the gospel. That God was reconciling us to himself through Jesus, not counting his trespasses against us. And now he says, I'm entrusting to you the same message of reconciliation. Do you get it? Do you see it? When we do that, you'll start to see disciples all over the place. Because you love one another. You're laying down your life for one another. You're serving one another. People are going to go, whoa, it's, look at the way these people love one another. And they're going to be like, can you talk to me a little more about what? Jesus, yes, absolutely. Hey, do you want to come to my church? Yes, absolutely. Why? Because they know that we love them. And they know that we stand for this truth that has changed our life. 
But first, we need to let the love of Christ control us and compel us. And lastly, what is the effect of true biblical discipleship? And this is a simple one. When we in obedience carry out the mission of God, of discipleship, understanding the big picture, understanding the purpose, the mission, and the application that we went over today, when we understand that our mission solely is to reconcile people back to God, here's what Paul ends off with. He says, when we do that, we might just become the righteousness of God. That's what he says. He says, as a matter of fact, when, we, when you're entrusted with this message and you live out this message and you let the love of Christ control you, you are a new creation. You're reconciling people back to God. And then he says, just so you know, here's what will happen. For our sake, he made him to be, no, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Simply, people get saved. Better, people become disciples of Jesus. It's not just a decision like, I want Jesus to be my Savior, but rather you're like, Jesus, I'll follow you to the ends of the earth. The effect of true biblical discipleship is that the gospel of Christ is lived out and it's preached with every breath that we have and with our life. The effect of discipleship takes over our whole lives. We live and we breathe to do this mission, to follow through this purpose. When we're at home, we're at work, in school, and in church, and sports field, the stage, Jesus is with us. He's promised us that. But now we need to respond and take this precious message of reconciliation to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Our students need to hear it. 1825 needs to hear it. Our children need to hear it. Our senior ministry needs to hear it. People who are here for the first time, you can be reconciled to God today. Through the person of Jesus, today there might be someone in here for the very first time. They might become the righteousness of God. Come on. Yes, that might happen. And I'm going to end it this way. There was the last message of the conference. There was this pastor called Pastor Dan Liam. He's from Australia. Um, And uh, he he was also, he was... Japanese and Australian, and so he was really funny, Um, but he says, uh, you say the book of Mark, and he says, I say the book of Mark. Anyway, I thought it was funny. Um, But here's the deal. I want you all to just for a moment, just turn the lights on, just turn the lights on, just nice and bright over here. To be a disciple of Jesus, yeah, it's bright, right? To be a disciple of Jesus, here's the deal. You have to follow him with everything you have you got to surrender your life to this calling and to this purpose. you got to give your life to Jesus and then follow him to the ends of the earth. You can't opt out of discipleship. If you're a disciple, you disciple people. And maybe you've never understood that. And maybe for the very first time, you thought you were a Christian for a very long time. And you understood that maybe today, man, I didn't know what it meant to follow Jesus. And today might be the day. This morning might be the morning. But I'm here to tell you that if we can't make a decision to follow Jesus in a church with the lights on, how are we going to make a decision to follow Jesus with the lights off in our home? Or when we're at work and everyone's against Christianity. How? So today, it can start today with a bright room with no music in the back to tie up our emotions But just the truth of the word of God, Jesus is here this morning and saying, follow me and be my disciple. 
but it's not going to be easy. Following Jesus is hard, and it's long, but it's the most fulfilling purpose you have on this earth. You were made to carry out the mission of God here on this earth. So when you get to heaven, Jesus will look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. So right now, without any music being played, I'm not trying to tie up your emotions. The lights are on, so it's not dark. If you're embarrassed, too embarrassed to stand up today to be a disciple of Jesus, then I'm going to question whether or not you're going to do it when you get outside of these walls. But right now, maybe you've heard this message. And you don't care who's to the left or to the right of you. I want everyone to be sitting down. But if you really want to follow Jesus and you understand what it means, if you want to make that decision, I want you all to just stand up. For anyone who wants to stand up and make, come on, I want you to stand up. Praise God. If you want to follow Jesus, this is what it means. Yes, praise God. Come on, church. I want to tell you something. I want to look at all of y'all. It's going to be hard. You get that, right? It's not going to be easy. You might lose friends. Not, not might. You will lose friends. Families will stop talking to you uh, until you love them, right? But you're going you're gonna to lose promotions. There's going to be backlash from your friends. When there's going to be moments where you can stand up and people are going to look at you and say, why are you reconciling people back to God right now? This is not that kind of event. I'm an ambassador. That's why. I'm a Christ representer. If you're ready to make that decision, just right now, I want you all to close your eyes. And now the band can come up. And I want to pray this over you right now. Father God, I just, I know it's hard to be a disciple of Jesus, but God, there is nothing else that you've called us to do. You left us with this mission, with this purpose, and so many in here are longing for a purpose and a mission in their life. So many, of, so many people that are in this place are looking and placing their identity in their careers or as, as a mom or so many other things. And students, they're, they're placing their identity in, in, in their sports teams and in the things that they do at school. But God, that's not what you have for us. God, you have called us to be your disciples. And discipling is hard because we never get a moment. We never get a break. But the great thing is, is that you promise is that you are with us to the end of the age. You never leave us or forsake us. And when we're tired, you're our strength. And when we don't have the right words to say, the Holy Spirit gives us the words to say. We don't need to know the Bible back and forth to be a disciple of Jesus. We just need to know that we've been reconciled by God and our purpose is to reconcile others back to God. And use our life to do that until we see you face to face. And you look at us and you say, well done. Well done. Well done. My good and faithful servant, I know you. Because the reality of it is, is, if we don't live as disciples, we're not disciples. And one day we'll meet Jesus and we think that we had it all together in our comfort zone. And we thought that we understood what it means to follow Jesus, and Jesus is going to tell us face to face, depart from me. I never knew you. (laughs) I don't want that for anyone in this room, God. So all that I know, all that I am, God, is from you. All this is from you, God. God, you saved me. And I know, God, you want to save people in this room. 
and you want people to follow you to carry out the biggest purpose and mission you have on this side of heaven. That's to tell the world that they can be reconciled to God, that there is no sin that is too bad. There's no place that they were too far off for you to save them. And you can save people in this room right now. God, I pray for those people. I pray that they would know that there's a prayer room that they can go into and people are going to be there and they can pray with them to be disciples of Jesus. And God, I pray for the Christians in the room that have been living far too long as consumers rather than disciples. And God, would you break their heart today and would you let the truth of the word look at them dead in their face and say, this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And God, would you would you stir up their hearts and say, I want to be a disciple. I want to be a disciple. God, I know that this church can change the world upside down for your name and for your kingdom. You've called us to so much more. Would you do a work in our hearts during this time of worship? Jesus, it's true. As the lyrics of the song says, Jesus, you change everything. We pray all this in the mighty name of Christ. Amen. Let's worship together.